Now, if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Mark chapter 1 this morning. That's going to be the passage of Scripture that we're studying. As we continue our series called Thriving During the Holidays, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 this morning. I invite you to turn there. Uh, If you're a guest today, we welcome you. If you're a first-time guest, we praise God that you're here. Those of you who are online, we welcome you as well. And we love worshiping with you, even though you may not be in the room. Uh, We are lifting our voices with you, and so we welcome you as well. But if you're a first-time guest, I want you to know two things. We invite you to come back. We want you to come back and worship with us again. But also, we want you to know that if you need a copy of the Bible, as I call out Mark chapter 1, and you may be thinking to yourself, where is that found? I don't even have a copy of the Bible. We would love to invest in you a copy of God's Word. A lot of people have it on their phones. So if you look to your left or right and you see somebody staring at their phone, they're following along in the Bible. We choose to believe that. But if you want a hard copy of the Bible, we have them here. In fact, they're right here in the back. We would love for you to take one. We want to give you the Word of God. We want to invest the Word of God into your life. But also, if you're a guest, uh, you see the note sheet. People like to take notes sometimes. And at the bottom, uh, there's a little invitation to our guest to what's called the welcome party. And the welcome party is a place for people who are new to the fellowship to take a step and discover more. Who is the fellowship? What do they believe? What are they about? What makes them tick? If I stick around the fellowship, what should I expect? And so we've tried to make it very easy for you to register for that. We'd love to have you at our next welcome party, which is next Sunday. But there at the bottom of your note sheet, you'll see some instruction on how to go about registering for that. So we welcome you. We welcome you. We're glad that you're here. But we are in a series called Thriving During the Holidays. And that's an important thing for us at any season of life, but especially during the holidays of 2020. That's a big deal for us. And we believe here at the fellowship that important things are answered by the Word of God. And so we're going to be looking at the Word of God today. As you know, in Mark chapter 1, we're going to be studying what Jesus did in order to stay connected and healthy and able to continue to minister in his life. Last week, we looked at what he said. And we looked at John chapter 10:10, where Jesus says that there's a thief, and that thief has come to do three things, kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come that people would have life and have it abundantly. So last week, we looked at what Jesus said. This week, we're looking at what Jesus did, his example. Now, as you turn to Mark chapter 1, I want to I let you peek behind the curtain a little bit and see some things that stress a pastor out. There's something that we do as preachers that can be very devastating if we're not careful. And here's what that is. If I'm not careful, I will deliver to you from last week to this week a picture of Jesus in which he's a great teacher and he's a moral example. Last week, a good teacher. This week, an example for us to follow. Now, don't get me wrong. He's both. He's an incredible teacher. When he was teaching in the Gospels, people would come from miles around to hear him teach. They flocked to his teaching. They were marveling at his teaching. They were awestruck by his teaching. And certainly he's an example. Certainly we can look to Jesus as an example for the way that our life should be patterned. 
But I want to pump the brakes and I want to say to you that Jesus is so much more than a good teacher and a moral example. And if you're making notes this morning, would you write that down? I want you to understand that the last thing that I want to do is to send you out of this building and into a week where the only thing that I've taught you about the identity of Jesus is that he was a good teacher and he was a good example. He is so much more than just a good teacher and a good example. So before we look at Mark chapter 1 this morning, I want to share with you some important identical statements about the person of Jesus. If you're making notes, you can just write down Colossians chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. If it was hard for you to find Mark chapter 1, I don't want to throw you off. I don't want to make you move to another place of scripture. But I do want to share with you four important statements about the identity of Jesus so that we can just establish that yes, Jesus is a master teacher. Yes, he is a moral example for us to follow. But we cannot only see that as the primary identity of Jesus. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, actually says that Jesus is the creator of all things. Let me read this to you. In verse 16, it says, For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So is he a great teacher? Absolutely. We discovered that last week. Is he a great example? Absolutely. I hope that we're going to discover that this week if I do my job right. But he's more than that. Scripture says he's the creator. For all things came into being by him and through him and for him. He's the creator. Not only is he the creator, he's the sustainer of all things. He created all things and he holds all things together. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 Verse 17 says, and he is before all things and in him, in Christ Jesus, all things hold together. He is a creator. He is a sustainer. Verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might be preeminent. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the head of the church. Listen to me. I'm not the head of the church. And the elders who serve this body of Christ, we are not the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the Lord of this body of Christ. He's the one who created us. He's the one who sustains us. He is the head of this church. And if you're making notes, verse 20 goes on to say something equally powerful, equally forceful, equally important for our eternal life. It says that he is the one who reconciles us back to God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says, And through Jesus... Uh, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, hear this, making peace by the blood of his cross. Oh, my friend, how I have let you down if I don't teach that Jesus is more than a teacher and more than an example. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our Lord He is the one who gives us life. I want you to know that this morning. That having been said, with that 
full picture of who Jesus is. With that having been said, I do want for us to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This teaches us not just about what he said, but about what he did. So this morning, as we continue the process of discovering how to thrive during the holidays, in a very strange year, and I know a lot of us are in a lot of transition, we are going to look to the person of Jesus to teach us some steps, some principles, some things that if we can take them from the Word of God and apply them to our life, we have a better chance at walking in a meaningful, powerful, communing relationship with God, connecting with one another, thriving during the holidays. And you know what? When January 2021 rolls around, we can continue these principles and we can continue to thrive. Here's what the Word of God says says, starting in verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Lord, we surrender to the word of God this morning. We yield to it. We confess to you that there are probably dynamics and circumstances coming our way that we have no idea about right now. For these holiday seasons as we lean into Thanksgiving and prepare for Christmas and the new year. But we do believe that your word addresses every area and every aspect and every circumstance of our life. And so we yield to it. Would you teach us through your word how to thrive during the holidays? And we pray that in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I believe that I just lost some of you here because when I read verse 35 and it said very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left and he prayed. Some of you checked out on me. You say, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. I don't do anything intelligently until 9 a.m. or maybe 8 a.m. if I have to and I have extra coffee. So you may be looking at this morning and and you're looking at me and you're saying, okay, pastor's going to give us three steps on how to thrive in the Lord. And the first thing I read is that it was like before daylight, Jesus was out. He had moved away from the people. He was spending time praying. Listen to me. If you struggle with being a morning person, hang in there with me. I promise there's something for you uh, in this message. So don't detach from what I'm saying this morning. If you struggle with being a morning person, I promise you, I promise you, oh how I promise you that God's word has something powerful for you this morning. But I do want for us to see these steps. I think they're important and I think that they're in order for a divine reason. We're going to discover that reason at the end of the message. But the first step, the first thing that we see about the life of Jesus is that he prioritized and he protected his alone time with God. Did you see that in the scripture? Very early in the morning while it was still dark. Everybody else was still dreaming dreams. 
Everybody else was saying to themselves, five more minutes, 10 more minutes. Their snooze buttons were starting to get hit. Jesus protected, prioritized his alone time with the Father. I think that's important for us to acknowledge this morning because life can get busy, can't it? And, and, and if we're not careful from the moment our eyes open to the moment they close at night, our schedules are so full, we don't have time. I want you to see something incredibly important about Jesus' ability to maintain the rapid pace of his ministry, and that is that he prioritized and he protected his alone time with God. Look back with me, if you would, in verse 35 and discover what it says. Early in the morning, still dark, he got up, he left, he went to a desolate place, and that is where he prayed. It is important that we find the ability to prioritize our time with God. Now, if you're making notes this morning, would you jot down Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Jesus is teaching in what might be his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is up there and he is preaching up a storm. And he says something really important for us. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these important and all of these necessary things like where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? If you will seek first the kingdom of God, these things will be added to you. You see, Jesus had this, had this reputation for teaching people that no matter what we're talking about, you need to make sure that the kingdom of God is first, that your relationship to God is first. And I love that he doesn't just say it, but he models it. Mark 1.35, you see him modeling this very principle that he's talking about very early in the morning. Jesus got up, he left, and he prioritized and he protected his time with God. Now, here is the really interesting part uh, about point one this morning as we're thinking about prioritizing and protecting our time with God. Because as we have cast vision for this message series, Thriving in the Holidays, we mentioned last week that the holidays can be stressful. Look, 2020 aside, the holidays can be stressful. We have extra stresses that enter our life. Who am I going to spend my holidays with? Am I going to bring something? Am I going to pre- prepare something? Am I going to burn something? <laughs> what about the, the person who's going to interject this conversation and make things awkward? There are all kinds of stressful things that can happen during the holidays. But here's what I want you to see. We have to learn to prioritize and protect our alone time with God even when things are going awesome. Because that's the context for Jesus. If you go back and read the opening part of Mark chapter 1, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover that the day before verse 35 happens, Jesus had an incredible day. Have you ever had an incredible day? Like everything that you wanted to accomplish, you accomplished, you checked everything off or you marked it off. Listen, here was Jesus' day. He shows up at the synagogue And he teaches this incredible message. He got to teach the word of God the day before. That's a blessing. So he's teaching the word of God. And the scripture says that while he's in the synagogue teaching the word of God, a man who's possessed by a demon starts screaming at the top of his lungs. Now that's awkward. Can you imagine if that happened in the fellowship? 
Can you imagine how strange that would feel if, if I or an, another elder were up here preaching the word of God and somebody that was possessed by a demon just started shouting and yelling? That would be crazy. That happened to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He cast the demon out. He, he got to teach the word of God. He got to cast the demon out. He got to set somebody free. Praise God. That's an awesome day. But that day doesn't stop there. After he taught the word of God and after he cast out the demon, he went to his friend's house. His friend's mother-in-law had a fever. She was in the process of dying. You have to understand when you read the gospels and it says that they had a fever, it's not like they can just throw back some Tylenol or some Advil and call it a day. Listen, these things were very serious medically in those days. And so when it says that that the mother-in-law had a fever, Her life was in danger. And so Jesus has taught the word of God. He's cast out a demon. He goes and and this just beautiful one-on-one pastoral moment happens where Jesus has the opportunity to heal her of her sickness. The scripture says, it's beautiful. Go back and read it someday. It's beautiful. It says that he healed her and she got up and she began serving people, which is the proper response to God working in your life and healing you, is that you begin to serve other people out of the abundance of Jesus in your life. But I know that's a whole nother sermon, but that is an awesome, awesome picture of what it looks like to respond to the healing of God. Jesus taught the word of God. He cast out a demon. He had this beautiful one-on-one moment where he was able to heal and provide care And then the scripture says that night, the place that he was staying, everybody in the town converged on it. And they brought everybody who was sick and they brought everybody who was possessed by demons. And he basically spent the night ministering to people. What an awesome day. You see, it wasn't a stressful scenario for Jesus. He was doing his calling. He was doing his purpose. And here's what I want you to see when we talk about thriving in the holidays. I don't just mean prioritize your alone time with God so that you can get through the stressful moments. Because good things can exhaust us too. And so just like there are stressful moments about the holidays, there are joyous moments. There's friends that we connect with. There's great moments that we have. There's perhaps family time for us. All of that's good stuff. And here's what I want you to see. Even when good stuff was happening, Jesus still prioritized and protected his alone time with the Father. That's an important step for us. Because your holidays are going to be filled with both stressful and invigorating good stuff. And I just want to say to you that no matter which of the types of things you're processing, stressful or awesome, it's important for us as people of faith to prioritize and protect time alone with the Father. Jesus did that. He had an incredible day of ministry. And then before everybody woke up, he prioritized time with the Father. Now, the second thing that I want you to see is that not only did he prioritize and protect time alone with the Father, but he used wisdom in what he did with that time when he was by himself. When he got away from the crowd, when he stepped away from the responsibilities, when he got away from everybody who was trying to get a piece of him, a moment of his time, some of his power, 
some of their requests made. When he stepped away from all of that, he used his time so wisely. Go back with me, if you would, in verse 35, and and look with me at what I mean by this. Verse 35 says this. It says, Early in the morning, it was still dark. He departed. He went out to a desolate place. And what did he do? He spent time with God. He prayed. He didn't try to empty himself of the day's agenda. He didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't say, you know what? Let me just sit down in this armchair or let me just sit down on this couch. And let me just, have you ever done this before? Have you ever had a really wild day or really busy week or month or it's 2020 like a crazy year and you say to yourself, you know what I need to do? I just need to sit down, ah, take a breath, relax a little bit and do nothing. Now listen, I'm attracted to that type of talk, all right? But I wanna tell you something. I have to fight that because according to Jesus, the best thing that we can do when we get away from everything, when we get away from the people who are making demands of us, when we take a step away from our responsibilities, the best thing that I can do is not to do nothing. It is to fill myself up with the things of God. The scripture says Jesus got away from everything and he prayed. And what does Pastor Zach do? Now I'm confessing to you. I sit down in my chair. And this is what I do. Oh. Okay. All right. And I don't. I'm not filling myself up with the things of God. I'm listening to who you're voting for. Who you're mad at. Or what you think about this or this. And and it's looking at social media. I'm doing anything other than what I need to be doing as I check out. I mean, can anybody... Can anybody relate to that? We say, I need to get away. So we get away. And what do we fill our time with? Things that stress us out. We get online and we start looking at what everybody thinks about such and such or so and so or this and that. And we're not doing what our soul needs. Yes, we got away from responsibility. We stepped away from the people who are making demands of our time. But my goodness, how we haven't used our time wisely. Now I want you to know that it will be a great tragedy for you to carve out some time and then not to use your time wisely. Listen to me, protect and prioritize your time alone with God. But when you get alone, do that. Spend time with God. And I know that it can be difficult. I know that it can be hard for us to say, how do I do that? If you're making notes, would you write down Colossians chapter three, verse two? And and the author of Colossians makes this great point. It says, set your mind on the things that are above. And at some point in the life of Christianity in the Western world, we have adopted this worldview or this philosophical viewpoint that says, when I sit down and, and, and begin to, I, I want to empty myself of things. I want to empty my mind. I want to empty my heart. I want to spend some time in meditation and just empty myself from everything. That's not a biblical idea. Did you know that? The biblical idea isn't to empty yourself. It is to fill yourself 
with holy and righteous and sacred things. Colossians 3.2 says, and to set your mind on the things that are above. Now, how do we do that? Let me explain that for you for a moment. Let's say in this picture, in this picture, the air represents all of the stressful circumstances in your life. And as you can tell, the air fills up the picture. So your life is filled up with the stuff that makes for stressful weeks. And so you're thinking to yourself, how do I get that out? Because if I take my ladle and I try to empty my life of all of these things, you see, I'm not getting anywhere. Just as soon as I get a spoonful and dump it out over here, some more air gets in. And so if we spend our life thinking to ourselves, I need to get all of this stuff out so that I can get centered, so that I can get aligned, so that I can really have this meaningful, deep and rich walk and conversation with God, I'll spend my whole life doing this. And every time I do it, more air fills it back up. It's like a never-ending thing. You've been there before? You feel like you're a hamster running on that wheel and you're trying to get free. You're trying to get these thoughts. You're trying to get rid of this stress and these thoughts out of your mind. You just can't do it. What is the key to making this thing work for you? Here's what the key is. Paul says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your mind on things above. The key isn't to empty your life. The key is to fill it up. Because every time I pour water which represents the things of God, the air, get this, is displaced automatically. I don't have to fight to try to get all of the stressful air out of my life. All I have to do is to fill up my life with the things of God. Alone time with God, prayer time, absorbing the word of God, taking counsel from godly people. I'm filling my life up. There's no place for air because something more powerful is taking its place. I want to encourage you this morning to spend your time doing this, making sure that you have alone time with God, but making sure that when you're alone with God, you're taking the right steps. You're using your time wisely. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left. He went to a solitary place where he checked his Twitter account. No. Where he turned on the news. No. Where he drank coffee and tried to meditate and empty his mind from all the negativity. No. He prayed. He spent time filling up his life with the things of the Father. I want you to know that you need that. To spend time away, being filled up with the things of the Father. And we're talking about what does it take to thrive during the holidays. I submit to you that your ability to successfully and effectively take these two steps to prioritize and protect your alone time with God And when you are alone, to actively engage, not in emptying yourself, but in filling yourself up, those two steps will determine how well you can thrive, not just in the holidays, but in every day. These are two disciplines that will help you grow in your faith 
like you've never seen and like you can't believe. So if, if these are two things that you find I, that you don't do often, I would charge you, I would challenge you, I would exhort you, I would beg with you, I'll beg you. Challenge yourself to begin to do these two things and see how it helps your faith. See how it helps your relationships. See how it helps your walk with God. But you see, there's a third one. And I want you to notice this because this is an important part in Jesus' example for us. He steps away and he, he protects his time with God. He spends his time wisely. He's praying. And then he reengages with the world. He steps back in and he says, okay, let's keep serving. Let's keep ministering. Let's keep loving people. Let's keep preaching to people. Let's keep healing people. Let's keep casting out demons. You see, he stepped out to be alone with God. He spent alone time. And that meant that when he came back, he was ready to keep going. And some of you might be thinking to yourself that you need to quit something. Or you need to walk away from something. Or you need to give up on something. It could be that you do. But it could also be that you just need to step away and spend some time in the presence of God because there is nothing healing like the presence of God. There is nothing empowering and refocusing and re-inspiring like stepping away and being in the presence of God. And those of you who've been walking with Jesus for any amount of years, you know that that's the truth. You could stand up right now and just give testimony about the the way that God has blessed you and the seasons where you've detached and you've sought the face of God and then you come back and you are so ready to go. Why? Because you were in the presence of your creator and your sustainer and the one who reconciles you back to the Father, and, and you come back ready to fulfill your purpose simply because you've been in the presence of God. Powerful stuff. These are the three steps. Prioritize and protect your time with God. Use your time with God wisely. Really fill up. Don't try to empty. Work on filling up. God, fill me up with your knowledge and with your wisdom. And read the word of God. Bring it into your life. Meditate on it. Focus on it. Memorize it. And then re-engage the world. Ready to serve the Lord. Ready to care for people. Ready to do what it is that God has called you to do. Perhaps you're in business and you need to step away because you're exhausted and you're burnt out. Or or perhaps uh, you have the, the role of mom and you're exhausted and you need to step aside. Maybe dad, you need to step aside. You need to get with God so that you can refocus. Or wife or husband or employee, or neighbor. Maybe your neighbors are driving you nuts. And you're thinking, I could get a lot for this house. I should just move. Have you ever thought that before? And maybe you don't need to move. Maybe you just need to get alone with God and let him refocus you. How do I thrive in the holidays? By protecting time with God. By using your time with God wisely and by intentionally 
stepping back in the game. What would it have looked like if Jesus didn't come back? He just left. Like we wouldn't have Mark chapter 2 or 3 or 4 all the way to 16. And Jesus just went to pray and he never came back. Listen, as weird as that sounds, don't be that person. Don't be that person who steps away and then doesn't come back. Be with God and then come back and be ready to serve. Be ready to make a difference in your company, in your job, in your family, on your block, in your neighborhood. You can do it, not in your own strength, but God is a powerful force in your life. And he can bring incredible things through you and in you. Now you see that the end of this message, there's two remaining points to be made. One is a caution. Because if this morning you get excited about what I'm saying and and taking these steps, there's something important that I want you to know about. And then we're going to ask a question that I believe will set you up this week to really start putting this into practice. But first, the caution. I need you to understand this. Not everyone is going to appreciate you taking these steps. In fact, taking these steps probably will disappoint somebody in your life. And you may think, what do you mean, pastor? How, how, I mean, isn't everybody going to be excited that I'm spending more time with Jesus? No. Isn't everybody going to be inspired that I get an extra 5, 10, 30 minutes in quiet time with God and come back reinvigorated, ready to serve God? No, not everybody is. To put it bluntly, no. In fact, and I want to be honest here, and I want to confess this, I'm, I'm reading into the text a little bit. But if you'll go back and look at verse 36, 37, and 38, you'll notice something. There's a character, when you read the text, who almost seems panicked. His name is Simon. Scripture says that early in the morning, it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left, he went to a desolate place where he prayed. And then... All of a sudden, you get the sense that people started waking up. Their alarm clock started going off. They started looking around. Where's Jesus? Who took Jesus? Where'd he go? What's going on? Wait a second. We can't do this without Jesus. And, and it's almost as though panic sets in. And when Simon finally finds Jesus, he's, he, it's, it's almost like everybody's looking for you. Where have you been? Now I'm reading into that. I understand. But can't you almost hear Peter say, Simon Peter say, praying alone? Come on, Jesus, we don't have time for that. We've got ministry to do. We've got demons to slay. We've got crippled people to heal. No. Simon Peter doesn't seem impressed that Jesus snuck away to spend some time with the Father. And I want you to know this morning that as you take the steps to thrive and to really prioritize and protect your moments with the Father, you are going to, you are going to do some things that seem unimpressive to others. And you have to get to the place where you're okay with that. Because your life is to be ordered, not by the expectations of others, but by the expectations of God. And the word of God is to shape your life, not the expectations of others. 
And so I just want to be clear with you this morning that for me, this is important. These are important steps for us to do. And these are important steps for us to learn to do. But as I do them, I am inevitably going to let some people down. I am inevitably going to rub some people the wrong way. Where is Zach? Why is he not available? Well, he's with God. Well, I need him. (laughs) And the same will be true for you. Not just me, but you as well. There will be people who will be calling on you. And when you're unavailable because you have snuck away to spend time with God, they will be, shall we say, unimpressed. Go be with God anyway. And the final question is, will you practice this stuff this week? You know it's the joy of my heart to share it with you. I love to preach and teach. But my goodness, how useless this will be if you don't put it into practice. Can I ask you, how will you practice these three steps this week? As you think about the rhythm of your life, as you think about the steps and the ebb and flow of your life, you think about the places that you'll be on Monday and where you'll be on Tuesday and the the calendar and the schedule and all of the stuff that makes up our life. Can I ask you to think about that this morning and make a decision? How this week will I practice prioritizing and protecting alone time with God? Using my time alone with God in a wise way so that I can come back and re-engage and really interact with people according to my purpose. How will you practice that this week? I plead with you to not just learn these steps but to do them because your thriving doesn't depend on you learning them. Your thriving in the holidays depends on you actually doing them and so I love teaching them to you but the the trick the key is in putting these steps into practice so I exhort you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to make sure this week that you practice these steps would you stand as we close in prayer and as you bow thinking through the things that I've taught this morning impressed by the example of Jesus silent before God surely in your mind or perhaps in your heart there is a yeah but Yeah, but this week I'm too busy. Yeah, but this week I've got too much. Can I ask you this morning to deal with those? Remove those excuses from your life. Purpose in your heart at this moment that this week you will allow the life of Jesus to be your example 
And I just want to give you a moment to stand before God and remember the scripture, talk to the Lord, respond to the voice of God. Lord, how we know that these are easy things to talk about and sometimes difficult things to do. We don't make excuses, Lord. We know that there's none that work. But it is true that in life, time with you seems to vanish first. And so, Lord, we're asking that your spirit would put in us a holy stubbornness, a powerful sense of conviction, that we will prioritize and protect time with you. First and foremost, to honor you and to glorify you so that our life would reflect your infinite power and worth, but also for ourselves, for our own spiritual health. And then I suppose last, Lord, so that we can be who we need to be for others. May our life reflect to the people around us that we have indeed been alone in the presence of our creator and sustainer and redeemer. And so this very morning, Lord, we make our personal commitments that we will practice these steps that you've taught us this week. And we will get better and better as time goes on. And we close with a word of thanks for giving us a great day of having gathered together beautiful, meaningful songs, powerful scripture, great example. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you've blessed us today. And we pray all of this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.